1 Peter chapter 5 is on page 983 of the Church Bibles. We'll be reading the whole chapter. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to, to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power for ever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is a true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Well, hello. Uh, do uh, keep uh, your Bibles open. Uh, you'll need them uh, for today. So you're driving to church on Sunday morning and the traffic is terrible. Uh, there are cars backed up for ages. You are well and truly trapped uh, in this traffic. You are going nowhere fast. A car has flipped and is blocking traffic. And this is Sunday morning. It's not even Monday morning peak hour. What is going on? How would you describe uh, something like this to a Christian friend? Would you say terrible traffic? an awful accident, a massive inconvenience, we couldn't make it to church today. Or would you say, like the Apostle Paul, we wanted to come, but Satan blocked our way. Or life has been challenging at work recently. In the past, you had been doing great work, had really been advancing. Uh, But there seems to be all these obstacles that have been coming up lately. Uh, I'm not advancing like I was. It seems like I'm going backwards in, in what I'm doing. Uh, what's going on here? How would you describe this? Obstacles have been coming up, or would you say, like the Apostle Paul, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. How do you speak about the challenges that you face uh, in life? Uh, Do you recognize that we're in a spiritual battle against uh, the evil one? Or do you not speak of Satan and and kind of block out any uh, work of Satan in the world? Being afraid of of maybe over-speaking it like others uh, may uh, as well overplay him, who speak about him all the time, that they find him in everything. But you see, both extremes aren't great uh, to either always talk about him or to never talk about him really just plays into Satan's hands. Uh, Satan is at work in the world 
and he is seeking to undermine God and his people. And so Peter here this morning urges us to stand firm in the face. Have have, have a look at verse 8. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Like a ferocious, uh, wild lion seeking for prey to devour, Satan is on the lookout. He is seeking to find believers to destroy. But you see, Peter gives us this warning here. He says, uh, watch out, stand firm in the faith. Be equipped, be aware, resist him. We've been uh, uh, reading through the book of 1 Peter this term, and today we finish. Uh, But what we've kind of seen throughout the book of 1 Peter is that suffering for standing for Christ is part of the Christian walk. Uh, We are to suffer for doing good and not for evil. And although we might think if I'm suffering, uh, that must mean that God has failed or that God is not in control, we've seen again and again and again that that is not right. God uses suffering in the Christian life to refine and to purify our faith, to show that we can stand firm throughout. And you see, being part of God's family as as believers, uh, just like Jesus suffered, we too will suffer. But see, Jesus, as he suffered and, and defeated death and rose from the grave and reigned supreme, resurrected high over all things, uh, we too will suffer and that will lead to our glory as well. And you see, that is where we're up to in the book of 1 Peter. Uh, people, uh, uh, people are suffering, God's people are suffering for their faith uh, in the Lord Jesus. And it's hard. It is a hard road. And so Satan, what's he doing? He's looking for weakness, looking to take us down. So Peter says, stand firm. Stand firm, resist, resist him. And he gives us three things, I reckon, three things to really help us stand firm. And the first one, the first thing to help us is uh, faithful shepherds. Have a look there from verse 1. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, that is exercise oversight, as some other translations are put it. Uh, we need faithful shepherds who will look after and will guide us, who will guide us to stand firm in the faith. You see, shepherds, they're the, they're the elders of the faith who are responsible for, for oversight and for looking after God's flock. Uh, and and in, in, in our case, that is the, the pastoral leadership team. Now, I, I aware as I, I preach through this that I'm in dangerous territory here as, as I speak about something, uh, as we look at something that refers to, to me and the others on the pastoral leadership team, but particularly our, our senior minister, our pastor uh, David Hoon. But I hope that as we, as we work through this passage, uh, that it'll help me, but also help you uh, to keep us accountable to it. Uh, and that it'll help you be praying, praying for us, uh, that we would uh, lead uh, in this way. Elders are shepherds of God's people. And this image of, of shepherding is kind of used throughout, uh, throughout the Bible. Uh, we see it in the Old Testament where the leaders of God's people, they were to shepherd and to take care of God's flock. 
but ultimately we see that that God is the great shepherd. You think of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, as he cares and leads and protects uh, his flock. Uh, We see it in the New Testament with John chapter 10. Jesus is the good shepherd who knows and protects his sheep from danger. And in both of these examples, there is there is present uh, danger, isn't there? The, the shepherd is there to protect and guide and look after the sheep. You see, our elders are to shepherd uh, God's people. And there are dangers, aren't there? We've seen it in 1 Peter. Uh, the devil, he lurks. He's on the prowl. He's seeking to take us down. And we've seen it in the fact that we're suffering for, for doing good. And as we suffer for doing good, we are tempted to, to turn our back on God, to, to say that, that it's too hard, I, I can't handle this anymore, or, or to think, if I'm suffering, God is not in control. But you see, this is why we need faithful shepherds. We need faithful elders who will care for us, who will remind us that, that suffering leads uh, to glory. And like we saw in 1 Peter 4, that, that suffering refines and grows and purifies our faith that helps us stand firm uh, until the day when Christ returns. But you see, shepherds aren't exempt uh, from suffering, like they're, oh, no, we don't suffer, you guys. No, 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 that's, that's not the case at all. Uh, shepherds are to lead the way uh, in, sh- uh, in suffering uh, as, as, as they kind of walk ahead of the people as we, as we go through suffering and standing firm for Christ. But see, Peter, what he does is he points out three things that are, uh, 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 that are danger for, for the elder and the shepherd. Um, three things that we should not do, but do instead. And there's this repeated kind of pattern. I don't know if you, you noticed that. Not this behavior, but this behavior. So there's, there's three things there. Have a look there from, from verse 2. Uh, elders are to shepherd uh, the flock by one, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Two, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. And three, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. You see, elders are to care for God's uh, people in accordance with God's will, uh, seeking to, to grow them and, and to help them stand firm. Not for, for dishonest, dishonest or selfish gain, but eagerly, uh, to serve. And so the tele-evangelist uh, is, is rightly criticized. Instead of having money on the mind, it should be for the love of others and to, to serve. Not lording it over, not domineering over the people they are entrusted with, but being an example. Someone who can be followed. You see, as a teacher of God's word, my life uh, needs to be seen to match uh, with the words that, uh, that I preach. And it's the same for all of us uh, on the pastoral leadership team. But you see, as, as shepherds, we, we, don't, we don't replace uh, Jesus, the great, our great shepherd. You know, no, no, we, we point to him. Uh, he's the one we meet in God's word, and so the flock is cared for and fed through the preaching and teaching of God's word. But you see, this is, this is a no, no easy task, and so let me encourage you uh, to be praying for us, if you're not already. Uh, but particularly for our senior uh, minister, uh, Pastor David Hood, who, he's not around today. But he is a great shepherd who does this stuff really well. I'm thankful for him. Uh, and so let's be thankful and praying for him as, as he uh, leads our church, that he would lead our church uh, in this particular way.
Uh, the shepherd has been given this authority uh, to care for and to tend God's flock. Uh, and we've seen throughout the book of 1 Peter that authority, when authority is in place, we are to submit to it. We saw it with the fact that we are to submit to every human authority. Uh, as slaves, employees, as to submit to their bosses, even to harsh or unbelieving bosses. As wives, submit to, to their husbands, even unbelieving ones. Uh, and we do that because it's the example that Christ has left us. You see, God wants us to submit and respect to those in authority over us. Uh, and it's the, same, uh, it's the same here. Have a look there at verse 5. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders. Peter wants us to respect and submit to God-given authorities, whether in the church uh, or in the state. And we're to do that recognizing that they're the role and responsibility of the shepherds, not to domineer, but to uh, they're seeking our good, who are trying to help us stand firm in the faith as we wait for our Lord Jesus to return, when we will share in the glory that will be revealed. And so we need faithful shepherds who will help guide us and feed us on God's word that we may stand firm in the faith. And so to stand firm, we need one, faithful uh, shepherds. Two, we need humility. Have a look there from verse 5. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Uh, To stand firm in the faith, we need humility. Humility is a dependence on God. It's not relying on ourselves. No, no, that's, that's pride. It is relying on God. It is submitting and trusting ourselves to him. It is knowing our rightful position before God. Depending on God like a child depends on their parents for everything. It is clinging to God in all things. It's seeking his help throughout all challenges. You see, humility is an attitude. It is a decision. It is an action. And we are to be clothed in humility. We actively put it on. Did you see that in verse 5? Like Jesus, who, who wrapped a towel around himself as he washed the disciples' feet, we too are to be wrapped in humility. And pride is the direct opposite of verse, uh, uh, in verse 5. Have a look there. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Where to be humble not proud. Instead of competing with each other, trying to outdo each other that I'm the best or whatever it might be, it's being, uh, it's being content to submit. Uh, a willingness to let others go before you, accounting others better than yourself. You see, pride is self-centered, self-dependent, self-sufficient. And we are in danger of that. Uh, we can think that we're better than those around us, particularly when we compare ourselves with others who, who may not be as good. I'm heaps better than that guy, man. He's, he's no way, I'm heaps better. But you see, at the end of the day, it comes down to who you compare yourself with. It's like comparing an artwork I did with a three-year-old. My artwork, you can see the tree that I painted, the, the sun, 
is shining. It's a really lovely picture. It's so good. You can imagine it. It's, it's good. And you go, man, that's a really good And you compare it to a three-year-old, man, you can't even tell it's... I might tell you it's a tree, it's got a sun, and you might be like, yeah, it's a tree and a sun, really? Like, you're really questioning that's kind of what's going on. And so we compare our work and like, man, it's heaps better. I've got this. I've smashed it. And see, I can be proud as I compare my artwork with a three-year-old's. And yet if I was, my artwork was compared with, say, Van Gogh or someone else's artwork, I'd, I'd be crushed. You see, the comparison that we may make with other people is really just pride. Because at the end of the day, it just depends who you compare yourselves with. We are to be humble, not proud. But I think that's really difficult in the culture that we live in. We live in such a proud, proud world who loves to gloat and show off the amazing things we have done and we have achieved, whether it be the things our children have done, the course that we got into, the job that we have, uh, the skill that we have, the sights that we've seen. All these things can be great and wonderful things, but the danger for us is when we uh, take place of God, we don't recognize God throughout. Uh, and we forget about God and forget to depend on him. Because when we do that, when we forget about God and we, we gloat and are proud of ourselves, we're really just playing into Satan's hands. You see, we need humility. But we do that, have a look at verse 6. We do it under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. We are to humble ourselves, putting ourselves into the lower position under someone else. And when we do that, we feel vulnerable. To put yourself in a lower position is, is, is vulnerable, fearful of being crushed uh, by those above you. But see, we do it under God's mighty hand under God's power and control. And no matter what we're faced with, he in due time will lift, lift us up. You see, we see when we put our trust in Jesus uh, in the gospel, when we recognize our fallenness, we are, we are broken and we need a saviour. Uh, as, as we came to that point, we humble need for a saviour and we were saved. Uh, we humbled ourselves, we weren't good enough, and we trusted. God lifted us from, from death to life, from judgment to salvation. We know this humility. And in 1 Peter, it kind of makes sense. These guys are suffering for their faith. And they're, they're probably fearful. They're, they're anxious and worried about the way they are being treated. But you see, when we're humble and we put ourselves under God's mighty power and protection, uh, trusting and depending on him throughout that hardship and suffering, we can have great comfort because we can call out to him in prayer and know that he, he will hear us. But we can have great comfort because he cares. You see, he is all-powerful, but he cares for you. You see, if you think about the famous, powerful dictators, whether of this age or in the past, how have they used their power? You think of, of Pol Pot, uh, of, of Hitler, of Mugabe, of Stalin, and countless others. 
They had great power, but how did they use their power? For evil. They were ruthless tyrants, domineering, destroying. People under their care had no comfort, just fear and terror. But God, the Almighty One, the One who created all things by His powerful Word, what is He like? He cares. When we come to Him, He cares for us. What what a great contrast that is with these great powerful uh, beings. And so, when we have troubles in life, it's not because God doesn't care for us. It doesn't matter what the problem we face, God cares for us. Whether our children are taking drugs, whether we have a difficult marriage, a ruthless boss, we're having problems at home, whether we're having difficulties in our neighbourhood, great faith. Knowing that God, who is sovereign in control of all things, that we are sitting under his sovereign almighty hand, who cares for us. And we know that this suffering is really there, used by God to refine and purify and strengthen our faith. And so as we stand firm in the faith, we need to be humble, depending on God, not on ourselves. Humility will help us stand firm in the faith. To stand firm in the faith, we need one, faithful shepherds. Two, we need humility. And three, We need to be alert and of sober mind. Uh, Verse 8, have a look, have a look there. Uh, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Uh, As believers, we have uh, the same common uh, enemy, uh, the devil, Satan, the the adversary. He is adverse, he is opposed to God and his people, doing whatever he can to tear us down. And you see, he is most dangerous when we are not alert to him. We need to be alert and of sober mind. You see, we need the wisdom to be aware of, of his seduction and his cunning that he will use to deceive us. And we are fools to think that God does, uh, that Satan does not exist, that he is an illusion. Or we are fools to think that he's all-powerful and mighty and in control of all things. You see, what Satan wants us to do is to forget God and his word and the great things he has done, that we would ultimately reject him. And the reality is Satan can threaten us uh, from within the church, whether masquerading or camouflaged as an angel of light, where he can come in and seek to destroy the church. That can be done in uh, obvious ways, whether it being uh, false uh, teaching, uh, where t- things are taught that are contrary to, to Scripture. But I think one a bit more relevant possibly uh, for us is, is division. He wants to come in and divide and divide the church, that we will turn our backs on, on God, that we may have arguments over trivial or, or secondary matters, that we may uh, be arrogant or, or proud and cause division. These are dangers for us within the church. 
But I think there are other ways that there are dangers for us as, as believers is when we become apathetic to the Christian faith, where we're not careful about the, the way that we act and behave in the world, whether it be uh, drinking too much or, or pornography or, or binging on Netflix too much or, or even obsessing about the football. All these things, some can be, can be good and wonderful things, but when we so focus on these things, they can so take us away that we, that we can forget the importance of, of God and, and, and of serving uh, Him. Uh, there are dangers for us uh, within the church. But you see, Satan also attacks us from outside of the church as well. You see, he can use the, the fire and sword of a persecuting tyrant uh, seeking to crush believers through times of, of suffering and hardship so that people will turn their back on God. Uh, so that, and so we need to be alert, alert to his cunning, his tricks, his tactics, so that we would be sober-minded and self-controlled. But you see, we're not alone in this battle. We are not alone. God has given us all we need to fight this spiritual battle. We have been equipped with the full armour of God and to take up the shield of faith that extinguishes the flaming arrows of the evil one. You see, our danger is failing to resist him by not watching and praying, by not using the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. But you see, with alertness and self-control, we can resist him. We can stand firm. Uh, knowing that believers around the world are going through the same thing. We're not on our own through this. Believers everywhere are going through this hard, hardship as well. And so when we are for the faith, we need to remember that nothing has gone wrong. Nothing has gone wrong if we are going through hardship. God is using it, like we saw last week, to refine and to grow and to purify our faith. And so when we are mocked, when we are ridiculed, when we are marginalized for our Christian lifestyle, when we are rejected for speaking to our friends, telling them about the good news of salvation, when we are abused because we won't join the gossip uh, that may happen with the people on our street or that happen in the workplace, when we're abused because we only want to speak good of people uh, behind their backs when they're not present, when that happens, when we are mocked, ridiculed, marginalized, nothing's gone wrong. Keep at it. Keep going. Stand firm in the faith. You see, we press on. We stand firm in the faith despite the hardships and struggles that we have, knowing where we're going because we know where we're going. Have a look there from verse, verse 10. Uh, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. And despite the suffering we may face, you see, God gives a wonderful assurance. Suffering leads to glory. Suffering leads to glory, just like Christ who suffered and was raised to glory and is now seated, reigning over all things. We too will suffer and be brought to glory. 
And the truth is that this, this assurance, this hope that we have really helps us stand firm until the end. And so as, as the letter uh, comes to a close, uh, Peter gives us a few g'days, a few people saying uh, g'day. Uh, and he really writes this letter with, with Silas so that the church would stand fast, that they would stand firm in the faith as we wait for Christ Jesus to return. You see, the book of to go term. It has been a wonderful corrective. I have been challenged as we have gone through this. As believers who trust in the risen Lord Jesus, we are foreigners and exiles. We do not belong to this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. We belong in heaven. We have a hope and inheritance is being kept and ensured for us there. And so despite the suffering we may face here and now for being believers, nothing has gone wrong. Keep going. Keep trusting because Christ is victorious. He reigns over all. And just like Christ in the path he tread, we walk that same path. Stand firm in the faith because suffering leads to glory. Uh, let's, let's pray. Almighty Father God, we are up for us in the Lord Jesus. We are so thankful for the book of 1 Peter and the great reminder for us this morning to stand firm in the faith. We do pray that you would so help us do that, that we would help and encourage one another to say no to sin and no to the temptations to sin, uh, to instead to, to, to live for Christ. We pray that despite the, the hardness of suffering that we go through it, that through it you will refine and purify our faith, uh, demonstrating that we do belong to the family of God. And we pray this ultimately, that you would be honoured and glorified through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.